Hey, Startup Nation, I am so glad you came back to join us for another edition of The Startup Life. You clearly are ready to get the tools you need to get ahead of the competition. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating while you're here. Now, if you're looking for an ad-free experience, go ahead and sign up for our Patreon page, where you will get exclusive content and access to our digital products that we're beginning to launch. The link is there in the show notes. And if you want to ask questions directly to some of our guests, follow the Startup Life Podcast Club on Clubhouse as some of our conversations will start to happen. Happen there. But back to the task at hand. Are you ready to level up? Of course you are. Get ready as the Startup Life Podcast begins now. It's time to be about that life. The Startup Life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. Hi, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, I mean, come on. What does it take to to take an idea and build it up from nothing and build into a multi-million dollar brand? Well, that's why we have an amazing guest for you today on the show. She is the CEO of Digit Apparel, Inc. She is Claudia Harvey. Claudia, how are you, good ma'am? I am awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your podcast. Oh, no worries. It's absolutely uh, our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And, you know, Claudia, before we kind of get into our conversation, uh, you know, we've been asking a lot of people, you know, the past year has has been one for the record books, you know. Uh, it so, has. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I'm curious about something. What are some lessons and some takeaways that from the past year that you have kind of, you know, and, you know, doctorated, doctorated into your uh, mm-hmm. p- personal life and professional life? Because there's a lot of lessons there, I think, for all of us. Well, last year was incredible and it continues to be actually quite incredible this year too, because the, I think the ramifications of last year are trickling into this year for sure. I think the, the word last year was pivot or repositioning. I hear that. Yeah. So, you know, every company, every person basically had to reposition themselves in the new world. And we didn't know how long, um, the COVID effect is going to, is going to be with us. So, it's not languishing and sitting back and watching. It's actually trying to reposition and getting ahead of any um, any issues that you might foresee in the coming few months or even year or two years. Right. I, I feel, especially in my industry, that the COVID will be with us probably until 2023, right. I think, yeah. at least. Um, and I think the word of the year this year is amplify. Mm. And that means take what you did last year and blow it up and tell the world all about it. So we basically didn't have anything else to do except work last year. Right. That that was basically my my company's. And this year, it's telling everybody about it and making sure the foundation that we created last year in the repositioning that we did is spoken about. I hear that. I hear that. No, I, I definitely hear that. Amplify Startup Nation is the word of the year. Uh, so make sure you put that in your entrepreneurial lexicon there. So, you know, Claudia, I've been you know doing show notes and show prep and reading your story. And one thing that definitely resonates with me uh, is your mom, you know, like this very strong woman uh, coming you know, to Canada and stuff like that. Kind of talk about your mom a, a little bit, if you don't mind, Claudia. Oh, I'm happy to talk about my mom. Sure. My mom passed 10 years ago mm, and she was this quiet force of right. nature. She, I think if she had been born into our generation now, she would have been a completely different powerhouse of a woman. I she that. was a quiet powerhouse. So right. she immigrated from 
Germany after World War II to Canada, and I'm from Canada, so I, I'm sitting in in my office in Toronto speaking to you right now. Gotcha. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that can resonate with the immigrant story of people coming over with a hundred dollars in their pocket and a dream and a hope and a wish and a goal and creating a family. And that is exactly what my parents did. So my mom was 40 when she had me because she was in the world war II generation and family just wasn't part of her repertoire at the time. Uh, so she had me later in life. Um, Mm -hmm. and as I said, she was very quiet and very positive and very supporting. Um, and when I was, when she was later in life, in her late fifties, she started a hairdressing shop and I grew up learning about small business on the dinner table, like right. talking about receivables and customers and, and repositioning and branding. And I just sort of incorporated that into my lexicon of, of words and language and, and mindset. Um, when fast forward to my career and I left my corporate world and started to get apparel in my forties and my mom was an integral part of helping me pitch on dragon's den, which is the U S equivalent of shark tank. Right. Right. And at that point she was in her seventies. She had divorced from my dad very amicably took $30,000 and parlayed that in the, uh, in the stock market, by the time she died, it was worth $450,000. So she learned how to day trade in her seventies. And she was my quote unquote shark when we were practicing how to pitch on dragons, Denta, Kevin O'Leary and the other dragons. So she was, she was a wonderful, wonderful inspiration to me. And I, you know, every day I think about her and every day I want to grow up to be just like her. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. I definitely hear that. You know, when I, when I read your mom's story and I hear you talk about her, there's one word that kind of resonates with me and that's reinvention, right? You know, like always like, you know, uh, so, you know, I I see this is kind of coming down the pike. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that and stuff like that. But one of the things you talked about, I thought was interesting was talking about the dinner table talks, right? You know, have talking about receivables, talking about profit and loss and scaling and all that great stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you're a mom uh, of three as well. Do you have some of those same conversations as well well with your kids? Yeah, I do. Like I started Digit Apparel when I had a 10-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. Gotcha. And uh, I I have a wonderful story about my daughter when she was in grade six. So she's 11 years old and I'm working in the house because that's where Digit International was started was the kitchen table in my house. And I hear my daughter and her girlfriend, her little friend in the backyard, Uh and my daughter had asked to come and and take a pair of our gloves, our our Digit Handwear gloves, which is our first product, and go into the backyard. And, you know, I'm focused on work. So I said, sure, you know, grab a pair out of the garage and go ahead. So in the backyard, she's she's doing a commercial, what sounds like a commercial with her friend. And I go into the backyard and say, what are you doing? I watch them and listen. And she's basically Vanna White. (laughs) (laughs) Just she's, she's doing a features and benefits of the glove and her friend is taping her. So I said to them afterwards, what are you doing? And she says, well, we have to do a school project and we could choose any product that we wanted. So I thought I would talk about your product, mom. Okay. And, you know, they could have chosen Nike or Coca-Cola or any brand that's out, that's worldwide brand. But she had incorporated through our dinner talk 
the features and benefits of our product mm. and why a consumer would want our product. And she was 11 at the time. And that. she was six when I started the company. Right. So she, she had incorporated some of that same language just by osmosis, just being around our dinner table. Gotcha. No, I, I think that's, that's interesting. And so clearly, you know, she had a, a sense of investment, uh, you know, from the product, you know, from the get go, which is also uh, pretty important. And, and clearly she must, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess she must admire you just as much as you admire your mom uh, it, as well. It, it was very, very touching. I it really that. was. And it think it, it really hit home that I am a mom <laughs> at that point. You know, I, I considered my mom a mom. Right. And, you know, I think, again, a lot of women, a lot of people think growing up and, and with our families that really need to be role models. And sometimes it really hits you like an epiphany, like, oh my goodness, I am a role model to my to my children. And I really need to step up and making sure that I am a good role model. So it really hit me that day. I hear that. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. And that kind of leads us uh, to your company, uh, Dig It. And Startup Nation, if you want to check out uh, Dig It, go to digitapparel.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to uh, the repay, replay on the podcast. So kind of talk about dig it a little bit. I, I think it's a fascinating story. And the 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 the, um, the gloves that you talked about that you started off with are, are quite fascinating themselves. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Oh, thank you. So we started dig it apparel basically at a family barbecue. Okay. And my business partner at the time and I were friends and we were chatting over the barbecue that we had destroyed our hands in the garden the day before. And both of us come from the corporate world. You have to go back Monday morning with not nails and not broken nails and not dirt under your fingernails. And they should create a nail protective or manic protective gardening glove. Mm. And many, many people have epiphanies like this, like, oh, they should create this. They should create that. So we had this conversation over beers, but what we did with it after that, that took the, took my life in a whole different direction. Okay. So we researched the marketplace. It took four months for us to regroup again. So by December, and we had researched the marketplace, determined that there was an actual need for a nail protective gardening glove for ladies. So we created a nail protective gardening glove with ladies with a pillow top protector on top of each fingertip. Okay. So it's on top of the fingernail and we created an industrial design patent on the glove. So the garden industry was growing 17% a year and the spa industry was growing 17% a year and the same woman was in both markets. So mm. it was a niche market, a niche product for that market market was growing. And we realized that the need that we had, we weren't the only women that needed this. And we developed the product, took another year to develop the product and five focus groups with ladies, five prototypes. We created the website, the name, the trademark, the industrial design patent. So we took our time. We didn't throw our money into the company initially until we researched really if there was a need for this idea And we weren't house proud with this idea. It's like really doing a good analysis if this product is needed in the marketplace and if you can actually make money doing the product as well. Of course. So it was, it was not just the, oh, well, they should do this. Well, they became us. Right. And we took. We took that concept to a whole new level. Absolutely. And I love that concept you just talked about, turning they into us, right? And I think a lot right. of times 
uh, as entrepreneur founders, you know, a lot of our stories kind of start that way, even with uh, also kind of going back to what you're saying, a lot of uh, international corporations started at the dinner table. Uh, so I, I definitely appreciate you highlighting uh, those things as well. I, I'm curious about something, though. When was that moment before, you know, Dragon's Den, before, uh, you know, scaling the company? What was that first proof of confidence? Like, you know what? This can work. My goodness, it's going back a wee bit, but um, I think the first proof, proof of concept was actually talking to the first proto, using the first prototype and talking to the first focus groups of ladies. Okay, and it was really determining that yeah, there is something here. So the glove is not a man's glove sized down to women's hands. Right. It is specifically created for women specifically. So again, it's a very niche product, and we designed it specifically for our needs. And when we had our first focus group, we determined what women really want. You know, they want breathability. They don't want your hand to sweat. They want um, nails not to bust out. So these different features and benefits became the proof proof of concept. And then when we got our first order, we came, we pitched on Dragon's Den only six weeks into the business. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we were really, really new into the business when we pitched on Dragon's Den. Gotcha. Oh, that's, I, I didn't know that part. Okay. That's really uh, interesting. I, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people kind of been in business for a while, you know, but what made you kind of make that jump? Like, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to do it and just go on Dragon's Den. What was, what was that moment like? Well, Dragon's Den was the number one show in Canada at the time. And okay. It was pre Shark Tank. Uh-huh. So Kev, Kevin O'Leary is Canadian. He sat on Dragon's Den for the first four or five years gotcha. of that career. Mm-hmm. And then he moved down into the Shark Tank in the United States. Gotcha. So because it was like the number one show in Canada, my business partner actually suggested that we go on Dragon's Den. And initially I was very resistant because okay. at that point in my life, I had had a very good reputation and I didn't want my reputation sullied on national TV. Mm. Should we actually get aired or should gotcha. we actually get in front of the dragons? Right. So my initial thought was, nah, I don't want to do this. But we had a great marketing plan, business plan, financial plan, great concept, proof of concept. We actually had gone to market and we actually understood what that market looked like. So I am a big believer in stepping into the opportunity and my business partner at the time as well. So we pitched in front of the producers and then the next step was to get in front of the dragons. And then the next step was actually to get aired. So we knew on stage in front of the dragons that we would be aired because we had had a deal, but it was 10 months before we were actually aired. Gotcha. So we had to keep quiet <laughs> for 10 no, months, which was hard. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one thing I'm curious about uh, is the lead up to, you know, even pitching in front of the dragons uh, and stuff like that. You know, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, preparing with your mom and, and stuff like that. But kind of talk about some of that other preparation that went into pitching, whether it be like knowing the numbers and everything and stuff like yeah. that, because I think that's important for Startup Nation to know that part. It is hugely important. It is so important. Even if you're not going to pitch in front of a dragon or investors, you really need to understand a marketing plan, business plan, and financial plan because the financials in your company really are the meat and potatoes of the foundation of the company. If you can't afford to keep the lights on, you're not going to be able to afford to run your business. And cash flow and investment dollars are two totally different things. Mm. So it's how you use the investment dollars in the cash flow 
in your business to grow your business. So when we were preparing for Dragon's Den, first of all, the the producers give you sort of a template and suggestion on what you need to do in terms of of how you have to present. Right. That's fine. So, you know, you get this, you, you, you see a variety of people presenting a whole different type of style. So it's a very overall general blueprint of how to pitch. But based on the career that I had had at that point, um, we knew how to sell. Like we were, I was vice president of sales in Citibank at one point in my life. So I knew how to sell. I knew how to pitch. So I took all of that information, all of that learning, all of those opportunities that I had in the past and brought it into the business that I was now creating. And that's important for people to also understand is don't forget the, all the experience you have. Absolutely. 100% because everybody has unique experiences and everybody's different. So take those unique experiences and build upon them as stepping stones to the next level. So we used that. We used my business partner's experience, my experience. I come from an operational sales marketing background. She comes from a sales background. So we married our two uh, two talents or experiences together to be able to prepare for the pitch. And we prepared, 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 pitched, practiced, practiced, practiced. And that is extremely important. And we practiced in the mirror. We practiced in front of my mom. Like, as I said, she was a mini dragon at the time. Like, if you can imagine, she was an 80-year-old lady, right. tiny lady. <laughs> but she grilled us like she was a shark. I believe it. Um, yeah, yeah, she I did. So, um it was preparing and and not worrying that you feel like you don't have any answers because that's the whole point of prepare preparation. It's making sure that you have answers to things that you don't even think of. For sure. For sure. No, I, I believe that she was tough on you because, you know, you talked about, you know, your mom, you know, uh, immigrating after World War II and stuff like that, you know, and that generation is just tough in general. Let's yeah, they are. <laughs> they just yeah. are. You, you know what I mean? But you, you said something that was interesting. Well, two things that was interesting. I want to get over to start. That first one is practice, 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 practice in the mirror, practicing sleep. I think that's super important because I think often, uh, you know, uh, we think we can just like kind of just turn the lights on when we, you know, turn it on when we need to turn yeah. it on. And, uh, that, you know, you find yourself in a world of hurt and, and also, <laughs> yeah, do. and also squandering the opportunity, uh, as well, you know, whether it be in front of investors, a bank or like yourselves, you know, and, and dragons den. But the one thing you said was interesting was the investment dollars and cash flow are not the same thing. And that's not something we talk about a lot in the startup community. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit more, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. Um, it is important for your uh, listeners to understand this because people invest in a business. Obviously. Absolutely. Like right, you right. have to have startup money. So we, I put initial seed money into the business of forty thousand dollars. Right. To, at the time, that's a lot. Like mm-hmm. that, that's a tremendous amount. I used that investment dollars for buying inventory, buying packaging, setting up the website. So using it for my vendors to pay for my vendors, using it for my lawyers, et cetera. Um, That is investment dollars to be used in the business, but you still need to have cash flow to have your incidents, to, 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 to have your, your um, ad hoc expenses met. So if you have rent, if wages, right. like you need to pay yourself as right. well. Now, I admit many, many startups, including us, we did not pay ourselves for the first few years. Right. And that's hard. So you need cash flow to be able to sit on a nest egg in case you need incidentals that creep up. So many people, 
I can probably relate to this. They have a home or a condo and it's the $5,000 rule. Like if something hits in terms of an expense, it's usually $5,000 at increments of $5,000 in businesses. $5,000 is a startup increment, but then you get to, Oh, it's $10,000 you need. And then it's going to be $15,000 you need. And it's, it becomes incremental as a business grows and the cash liquid cash is really important to be able to have access to it to be able to pay for those incidentals. For sure. You know what? I, I want to do one more quick follow-up question uh, because you said something that was important as well. Talk about cash flow, incidentals and stuff like that. But you also talked about wages and, you know, yeah. Claudia, I don't need to tell you that we are, are kind of in a, in a moment when it comes to entrepreneurship and stuff like that, when it's a bit trendy, you know what I mean? Like it's trendy to be an entrepreneur or wherever the case may be, you know, uh, a lot of people think it's like, you know, idea video montage and then yachts and right. boats and stuff like right. that. You know what I mean? But when you talked about wages, I think about employees and having employees is a massive, massive responsibility that a lot mm-hmm. of people don't really think about that. Kind of talk about that responsibility a little bit and making sure that you're taking care of the people that are ultimately helping you build uh, the business that you're trying to build. Kind of talk about oh, that a little bit. It is so important to have an amazing team around you. Right be it your business partners or your vendors or your bankers Absolutely. or your lawyers, I'm but then you your employees that. as well. Because right. when, uh, tell a, a, a story about COVID. Please. So COVID hit, we're in retail. So all of our products is in store. We have not yet been paid from the retailers. Mm. Okay. Because usually the terms for retail is you ship your product to them and you don't get paid for 60 days. Gotcha. So we are a spring product. We're a garden glove. Right. So we were in store by the end of March. We're not paid till probably May or June. Right. And COVID hit. So COVID hit in Toronto, May, sorry, March, March 15th to 30th. I had no idea. Retail was shut down. I had no idea if we were going to get paid or not. So I had to immediately tell my staff, go on to an unemployment insurance. Gotcha. No idea what kind of wage support system the governments are going to have. It was early days of COVID. Of course. So I said, get front of the queue, get in front of them and get onto unemployment because I don't have the cash flow to be able to pay your next wage because right. I don't, I need to hold the cash just for my other vendors. And I know that you could go on unemployment, but oh, it was a hard day. It was I such bet. a hard day because I, I take my responsibility of my so, so seriously and strongly because they have their lives and their kids and their families to right. support. So I had the meeting with them on a Monday morning And my employees immediately said, okay, we will, Claudia. But Claudia, we got your back. Like we got your back because we have to keep Mm. going. We have to keep working in the hopes that we will get paid because if we don't work, everything stops. Like the company will stop. At that point, I could not do everything by myself. So I, all my employees continued to work. They went on to unemployment insurance. Within two weeks, there was wage support from the government and I brought them all back on. So they had my back. I had their back. I hear that. It's, go, go ahead, it, I'm was, sorry. it was very touching. Very touching. Oh, no, I, absolutely uh, a touching. You, you know what I mean? You said, you know, we, you have you got their back and they had yours. And clearly that speaks to a, a sense of company culture that comes from the top down. Or maybe it's just, you know, it's that that uh, that horizontal feature. Kind of talk about the company culture there, because clearly it must be strong in order for that to happen. Because I don't let's be honest. I don't think a lot of times that would have helped. That would have worked out that way. You know what yeah. I mean? Kinda yeah. Talk about that company culture a little so, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I was so touched by my staff. Um, I we're small. We're a small group still. Right. Right. Um, 
we have a temporary assistance in our peak season. So mm-hmm. we, we, we kind of balloon in our peak season and, and we have temporary help and then we let go. But my core staff, there's about, about 12 of us that are our core staff and we are all extremely strong personalities. We are all extremely good at what we do. I hire people because they actually are not Nate. They are not, um, they're, Sorry, I'll start again. I hire people because they're not like me. They have their own unique abilities. But with those unique abilities comes their opinions. (laughs) So I I don't have yes men with me. I have people that say, Claudia, I think we need to do it this way. I say, why? They tell me why. And we might go in that direction. We have dialogue. We have sometimes we have heated conversations, but it's not personal, which is all extremely respectful. And we laugh every day, absolutely every day, even though we're stressed, we laugh every day. So over the course of this past weekend, we got 17,000 online orders over Mm. this past weekend. Wow. That is intense. And we're just at the beginning of our season. Awesome problem to have. But my my director of logistics, I think his eyes were spinning going, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to do it. We're going to throw people into this and we're going to be able to do it. Um, again, I got their back and we just, we started laughing like what a difference between last year and this year with the opportunities that we had repositioned and, uh, we hit the ground running in 2021. So, um, I think laughter is hugely, hugely important when COVID hit and we had, we have monthly, sorry, we have weekly Monday meetings with my staff Mm -hmm. and, Normally, it's a sort of a key deliverable meeting where we have our tasks for the next week and the next month and the next quarter discussed. But one of those Monday meetings, I said, everyone come in your fuzzy slippers and your pajamas with your cup of coffee and let's just talk. Let's just talk about what's happening with our lives, our partners, our kids, our family, and what's impacting us and just talk. So it was just that. And that is, I think, really, really important to allow people to have lives to express their lives and give people the ability to speak about themselves, not whine per se, but allow them to speak and then try and find solutions. If your employees or your people around you need help. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Style Nation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. 
You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. For sure. For sure. No, and, and you, you talk about this concept, Claudia. Thank you for, for that story. You talk about this concept about definitely, you know, valuing your stakeholders from uh, your, your team to vendors, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. I don't think that we don't, we don't think we don't talk about that enough in the startup community, like how the business is kind of the wheel and then these different spokes of the stakeholders and, and stuff like that. So I appreciate uh, you sharing that as well. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Claudia Harvey, CEO of Dig It Apparel. And if you want to check out uh, the uh, everything that's going on in Dig It Apparel, go to digitapparel.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And when you go to digitapparel.com, uh, you have check out their fantastic blog that they have, uh, which kind of leads me to my next question, because, you know, we see a lot more uh, business owners who are, are kind of using content to kind of get the word out, you know, not necessarily like, you know, advertising and marketing, but kind of like how to's and uh, this season, you should do this and stuff like that. And, uh, clearly in the garden space, you will be doing, you do this as well, but kind of talk about some of the content you guys create in order to get the word out about uh, digging apparel. Well, sure. Um, I think uh, content blogs, um, talking to wonderful people like yourselves is Thank a you. marketing modality that needs to be um, really leveraged because if you become an expert in the field that you're in, so we, let's just use our first product, which is the gardening gloves. And we have other products as well. Of course. Um, and we just acquired another company and has have spot my UV, which is in the sun care uh, channel. But when you are creating your business, you need to become quote unquote, the expert in that business. I hear that. So writing about the industry that you're in allows you to become that expert. And then if you then draw attention from, again, individuals and, and podcasters such as yourselves or influencers that are in the marketplace, it just, again, amplifies who you are or what your business is or both. Mm-hmm. So I am the face of Digit. I am the founder, the creator of the company. So of course I'm going to be the spokesperson of the company. Right. Um but in that I'm I, I'm I could be an expert in startup. I could be an expert in business, but I'm also an expert in gardening. Right. I love gardening. I created the product specifically for gardening. So I will hit a whole bunch of different um communication pieces, gardening, startup, business, Dragon's Den, Shark Tank. So you become an expert in talking about that and doing a blog, doing a podcast, writing about it, having a, an article in the newspaper talks about the expertise of you and your business. And that just amplifies who you are. And it just becomes a positive spiral of, a, of attraction. Absolutely. And you, you beat me to it. I was going to mention spot my UV, but we talk about that now. Uh, no, because I want to ask you uh, this and start a mission. If you want to check out, uh, you know, her other company, spot my UV, spot my We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you're listening to the replay on a podcast, talk about spot my UV, what you do there and stuff like that, but also talk about when to know when it's time to go into another business, go from entrepreneur to serial entrepreneur, because some people do it well, some people do it not so well. Kind of talk about that balance a little bit. Oh, I'd love to. Um, I'm going to talk about that balance and when to first, and then I'll talk about spot me. Sure. Um, so as a business owner, my first business own ownership was Dig It Apparel. Mm-hmm. And 
in Canada, again, we're Canadian, we're a Canadian company. We wanted to head into the United States within the first five years of business. So we basically launched in 2009. So by 2014, 15, we wanted to be in the United States because the United States is 10 times the size of Canada. So we wanted to make all our mistakes in Canada and then have no more mistakes and be able to rinse and repeat into the United States. I hear that. So what happened, of course, in 2009-10 was the recession. Right. We didn't know how deep the recession was going to be. So it took us longer to get into the United States. And that's okay. You know, you, you can have a business plan, but you still sometimes have to modify your business plan. So as we developed and modified the business plan and entered into the United States in 2016-17, we are now significantly into the United States. So we make most of our revenue in the United States, which is what the whole business plan was. Becoming a serial entrepreneur, a serial business owner is basically a rinse and repeat. Mm. Do something that is successful, identify what that is, and repeat it. And do it again and again and again until you become an expert in doing that. So in 2016, um, we had a change of ownership in the company. And the partner that I started with had left the company and I had a new business partner. Kevin O'Leary had also been bought out in 2015 since he moved into Shark Tank in the United States and was never coming back up to Canada. So we amicably separated, parted ways, no problem. I have a new partner in Digit, and he brings a different business understanding than what I had. Absolutely. So again, you bring experts to your network of people and use that expertise to your benefit. So 2018, we started another company and now we own five companies. Wow. So it's it's rinse and repeat. It's do what you can do, but it's also, I'm going to go back to cash flow. It's also being able to have the cash flow so you can have the investment dollars to put into a new business. So it's, it's investing very smartly and it's strategically doing something, not throwing spaghetti, spaghetti against the wall to see if it sticks. <laughs> right. For sure. It's very, very strategic. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I appreciate uh, you, you sharing that for sure. Uh, and you, and you talked about Kevin, kind of talk about what it's like to work uh, with Kevin O'Leary. Clearly we see him on TV. He's like, man, that guy's tough. Uh, you know, are, are, are you about to tell me he's like a soft teddy bear when the cameras aren't on or, or is, is, you know, what you see, what you get kind of talk, tell me about working with Kevin a little bit. If you well, mind. you know what, working with Kevin was wonderful. Gotcha. Um, what I, I liked about working with Kevin is obviously the man is incredibly smart. Oh, for Very sure. Smart. There's no denying um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he is a serial entrepreneur. So what I, what I strongly believe in is surround yourself with people that you want to emulate. Right. Now, obviously his TV personality is, 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 you know, I'll say strong. <laughs> let's fair let's use that word. Yeah. That's fair to say. Um, yeah. He, he was wonderful to work with. He was incredibly respectful. We never, ever, ever on the personal side saw that side of Kevin. Gotcha. I think that's a TV persona. Right. He was incredibly finance oriented. He incredibly uh, return on investment oriented. Right. So you know, I don't even know if he know, knew I had children. Like, I, really, our personal lives never really came up, gotcha. never really talked about. So it really was a business venture for him. And he is a serial entrepreneur. So what I did while I was working with him is I really watched. I watched how he multitasked. I watched how he built his teams. He has amazing people around him. And I watched how he did that. So then I could rinse and repeat that in 2015, 16, 17. And now I, in each of my companies, I have strong teams. So we multitask and we rise above it as startup owners. We rise above it. And eventually we have to, because we can't be chief bottle washer for 
you know, for an extended period of time, or your company won't grow. So working with Kevin allowed me to see how that could be done and done very respectfully. And I think that brings back into the company culture of, of how to do this and rinsing, repeating exactly what works and making your mistakes, knowing they're not failures and turning around and making something out of it. Gotcha. I appreciate you, you, you know, uh, differentiating mistakes and failures. I, I, I appreciate that because I think a lot of times we use them interchangeably and we shouldn't do that uh, yeah. as much as we should. So I, I definitely uh, appreciate that, Claudia. Once again, Stardomation, we're talking to the CEO of Digit Apparel, uh, you know, uh, Claudia Harvey. And if you want to check out the knowings and goings of Claudia and her speaking engagements and events and stuff like that, go to ClaudiaHarvey.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And I know I see on there you do a little bit of consulting uh, on, you know, uh, you know, as well. Uh, and so when people come to you for advice, what's kind of like the number one thing they're looking to kind of, I guess, fixing their business or fixing their process? Kind of talk about the consulting part a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, we, we, I usually get people with exactly the questions that you've asked. Okay. It's like, okay. I have a, I have a business is, you know, either under two years or I have an idea. How do I get it off the ground? And if I am two years to five years in business and I'm not moving forward, so it's, it's trying to figure out what they're doing wrong in the financial plan or the marketing plan or what fears they might have to overcome to get it to the next level. Now, I have to admit, I have a team of people that now help of course, other people. Of course. So it's not just me consulting. I, right. And I don't do a lot of one-on-one consulting anymore. But it's generally when I come off of a speaking engagement, that is the number one thing that people ask is, how do I replicate what you've done? Because I have this great idea or this great service. And how do I do that? And it's the how-to. It's it's a It's the amplification of where you want to bring your business to. And it's really, it is the tie between the business planning, financial and marketing plan. So those three things have to be completely strong. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And I know you're, you know, you do a lot of philanthropy work as well. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Oh, I'd love to. So about 2016, 17, there was a lot of shifting happening in my life in 2016. And there was one thing that I found was still missing. Like I had a wonderful family, had a great business. There was still something that I didn't know what was missing until I actually found it. So I was in a conference called um, Social Light, and it was for social entrepreneurship. And I didn't even know what that concept was. Gotcha. So social entrepreneurship is basically taking um, entrepreneurship and the revenue and changing a community in the world, some small community. So when I heard about these organizations doing that, it's still a profit-based business, but it's taking that profit and changing lives. And I'm like, wow, that's what I'm missing. Like, right. I need to have impact. I want social impact as well. So fast forward to 2017-18, and I come across an organization called SONAS, so S-O-N-A-S dot mm-hmm. org. And Sonas is in Cambodia and they do social impact in an, in a small village outside of Phnom Penh, which is the capital way. And they have created this um, social enterprise where every woman in the village weaves their own product and they are their own business. So all the proceeds go to feed, feeding, clothing, and educating themselves and their families, and then amplifying that to other communities. So the founder of Sonez, I connected with after I saw some of the products that he and the ladies had created in a small community fair in Toronto. Mm-hmm. 
And I tracked him down. He's Canadian. I didn't know that at the time. And he has dedicated his life to this organization in Cambodia. So I went over there in 2018, met the ladies, met the village, then became an advisor of the organization. And in fact, I'm taking some of their weaving and ideas and bringing it into my Dig It company. So we're creating a whole textile line, home line in Dig It Apparel and to be launched at the end of this. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. And that's the thing I love about entrepreneurship, you know, and in particular social entrepreneurship, because once you start a journey startup nation, you just never know where that journey is going to lead. And now, you know, Claudia finds herself empowering people whom, whom she may or may not have been, you know, uh, in, you know, her radar had she not started her journey. So I appreciate you sharing that, Claudia. Oh, it's very true. And in fact, in 2019, my business partner and I created the Beyond Growth Scholarship Fund, where 100% of the proceeds that I can help with their products, selling their products, 100% of those proceeds go back into the scholarship fund, which then allows an individual from that village to go to university a year. And then from their graduating within four years, they have to give back and do a scholarship after four years after they've graduated. And then that person has to do a scholarship. Gotcha. So again, within 20 years, we'll have 72 graduates with 72 people being affected through the initial scholarship fund, which is that. amazing. I really that. amazing. That's amazing. And I, and I love that, you know, you, you've quantified that with a number, you know what I mean? A lot of times we see people on the social entrepreneurship tip and it's kind of like uh, the end goal is kind of vague and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, ambiguous, if you will. Right. So I love that you have that, uh, in place because we need more about that. Cause I think when you, once you have a, <clears throat> excuse me, cause we talk about this in entrepreneurship all the time, like having a clear goal. So right. clearly you're trying to, if you have a clear goal, you can make a clear impact. So I appreciate uh, you sharing that. And uh, before I ask the last question, Claudia, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the startup life. You gave amazing value and startup nation. Make sure you check out all those links, uh, that we talked about, uh, today. Digitapparel.com, spotmyuv.com uh, and claudiaharvey.com. Uh, we have all those links there in the show notes for easy access. If you listen to the replay on the podcast and Claudia, I'm actually going to just turn the microphone over to you just to, you know, you know, with everything going on, just kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today. Oh, my pleasure. I think it's been a wonderful opportunity talking to yourself, Dominic, and your listeners. I think everybody, um, as you're creating a startup or you're creating a business, remember that everything is an evolution. Remember, you can never do a wrong move because you learn from your mistakes and everything is a stepping stone to the next opportunity. Walk through the opportunities with strategy making sure that you have looked at all the opportunities, but don't walk through with fear, walk through with confidence because you never know what kind of doors are on the other side that you can also walk through. And finally, surround yourself with positive, wonderful people that got your back and you've got their back because in hard times, those people will pull through and then you're there for them as well. And that's how you build a really strong community and a really strong network of people that you can surround yourself with. So it's been my pleasure to And again, anytime anybody wants to reach out, please reach out to ClaudiaHarvey.com and connect with us. And it's been my pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. We want to once again thank uh, Claudia Harvey for coming on the show. And Startup Nation, as always, if you have an idea, 
be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on a show, send us a message. Our contact information is there in the show notes, or feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Go ahead and follow us while you're at it. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and be sure to hit us with that five-star rating. We would really appreciate that. Be sure to check out the show's website and its startup blog, where either I or some of the world's best business minds share content that will give you the edge you need in your journey, whether that's the path of entrepreneurship or climbing the corporate ladder. Subscribe to our Patreon to listen to ad-free episodes, exclusive content, and digital products that we are beginning to offer. And if you want to be part of the conversation, join the Startup Life podcast on Clubhouse to have the ability to talk directly to some of our guests. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life.